0: Good afternoon. My name is Manny Sanchez and this is your weekly download, a podcast offering you the best information and insight straight from Harrisburg University. Uh, I definitely want to encourage everybody to um, like and subscribe to the podcast. You can do that from any iPhone or Android. Just go ahead and search your weekly download and make sure you listen to all of our previous episodes and subscribe to the podcast. And also leave us a, a comment in the social media, the Facebook or the Twitter uh, what you'd like to hear next week or any topics that you want to hear in the future we're really interested in in providing you with some kind of information here um, you can reach us at uh, on facebook www.facebook.com forward slash harrisburg we're on twitter at harrisburg and our university website www.harrisburgu.edu My guest this week on the podcast was Professor Charles Palmer. We had a great conversation about everything VR, the virtual world, um, serious games, and the interactive media program at Harrisburg University. So here it is my uh, conversation with Professor Charles Palmer. So my guest on the podcast today is Professor Charles Palmer, the head of the Interactive Media Department at Harrisburg University, and the executive director for Center for Advanced Entertainment and Learning Technologies. Charles, how are you doing today? Good, good. You got the whole title out there. Yeah, I made sure to uh, do my research there and write it all down before I came in. (laughs) Um, So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit um, to our listeners, and then we'll get into our conversation today. Sure. As you mentioned,
1: uh, I'm the head of the Interactive Media Program. Uh, that's a program that's been around about four years now. I've uh, been with the university almost nine years now. And prior to that, I taught at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh uh, in the Entertainment Technology Center and public policy.
0: Um, so one of the things that um, you mentioned in the email to me about uh, things we could talk about today was, was uh, you know, virtual reality. And I did my own research yesterday. Um, on a few things, and uh, like I have a, a Google, a Google Cardboard, so <laughs> I've, I'm familiar with it, but um, I definitely wanted to get your insight on some things here. So, um, you know, for, for, I guess, teaching and demonstration purposes, you know, how, how well is it utilized in schools, and, you know, is there definitely kind of um, sustainability for VR in the future? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the hype curve
1: on virtual reality, Uh, You know, we're really looking at this 10-year cycle of seeing it ebb and flow. But right now, we're at a point where, uh, because of the approach and the, well, the approachability of VR these days, anyone can have VR in their hands. Mm so what we're doing with our students instead of just focusing on it as an entertainment platform we're also looking at it as a training and learning platform Mm -hmm. as well so our students are creating games but they're also creating experiences where users players can then learn something whether it's um, a particular skill for a job or if they're looking for further advancement in a position they have an opportunity to test that out or refine those skills in vr
0: right yeah and there was something i read yesterday i believe it was in forbes about you know the between reading and doing, so the students are going to get a lot more out of this by being hands-on, being tactile, than just you know reading it straight out of a textbook and, and just trying to you know work themselves through it that way.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of studies in there, and this doesn't you know this approach doesn't replace mm-hmm. uh, either to traditional classroom or book learning that or book knowledge that happens. Um, instead, it complements that. So imagine if you're training to be a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. Um, you've gone through your classes, you've done your <clears throat> literature, you've done your study, and then the VR experience gives you the ability to test that knowledge to sort of get into a situation that you may or may not see in the field. Mm-hmm. But this gives me a chance almost to role play exactly what my choices are and what actions I would have set before me. Yeah.
0: Now, do you think just to, just the, that whole conversation? There, do you think that you know we're we're kind of moving into territory where people are just not going to want to interact, you know, person to person anymore, and that this is going to become you know, <laughs> something like, a, like a movie where you, you're just at home and the only interaction you get is is through your avatar. See, I think it, it's it's interesting. There is some of that that will
1: happen. Mm-hmm. There are some people who are going to say, I would much rather deal with my colleagues at work right. just virtually. But you know, let's look at the other side of that. Look at. Let's look at the individual who does telecommute, mm-hmm. right? And now this could actually provide a mechanism where they could create a stronger bond with someone because mm. they not only are just hearing their voice over speakerphone, but now they sort of have an avatar that they might associate with that individual. Yeah. Um, no matter what technology comes out, that, that, is, that evolves, humans are going to find ways to make use and abuse that technology. Yeah. Who we are.
0: Yeah, and, I, and it's interesting that I saw, I was watching videos about this yesterday, and to go on with the training, with the industrial training, I saw medical students performing, you know, virtual um, surgery simulations, too, and yeah. I was just, you know, I I never, I knew that there was the capability to do that, but I never really thought about it in that way, and, and just the whole... Everything that, that could you know encompass a VR, whether it's you know entertainment, you you know get the way you get your news, you know uh, education, things like that. So it's there's a lot of there's a lot of use for it.
1: There are a lot of uses for it. Um, I don't want to make it sound all rosy because mm-hmm. there's still some problems with mm-hmm. the technology. Um, you need a pretty powerful and high frame rate in order to have a very comfortable experience. Um, <clears> wearing one of those headsets for more than 20, 25 minutes gets to be cumbersome. Yeah. Um, the older you get, the more eye strain you're going to see, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then the younger you are, I would not put a kid in a VR uh, in a VR setup for right. more than 10 minutes or so. Um, I would say anyone below the age of 12, I really would sort of stray them away from using VR for any extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, that may change, but we're still learning a lot of the physiology about how humans engage in the world and. I'm, uh, yeah, there are pluses and minuses. You know, there are great benefits to be able to create a virtual experience. And by transmitting a new vision to your eyes and a different sound to your ears, I can transport you and give you a very visceral experience, mm-hmm. right? I can make you cry. I can make you she- cheer with joy. Um, you can do a number of things just by replacing that person. But you also have to think about that person right. and what we might be doing to their physiological state right. at that
0: particular point. Yeah. I know the first time that I put a. Um... A VR headset on uh, the the Google Cardboard one, so that's just you know the two lenses you put your phone in, and um, they had like a little playthrough that they give you, and and just experiencing that was was a whole, you know, like yeah. you said, it was like you you got all the all that visceral reaction, and then there was a horror um, yeah. uh, simulation I went through, which was terrifying because you're in that space you're and, and, you, yeah. and you're there. Um, so and then I even had the opportunity to put on a, a Samsung uh, Samsung headset too, and that really took it to an even in yeah a larger level so it's 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 crazy to see that you know, with the same device, the, the, the levels that you go to. And if we think about those devices, like you said, there are some that are mobile, and then there are desktop. <clears throat> so the mobile
1: you have on the low end, uh, the Google Cardboards mm-hmm. and the clones of that, which you're going to find those between $7 and $15 yeah. probably, uh, maybe up to 19 but in that price range. Um, the next step up from that, and that's just really a cardboard enclosure that fits around mm-hmm. the phone itself. The next step is more of a rigid form factor that your phone slides into. And those are things like the Samsung VR Gear and Google's Daydream device, um, which are closer to the 80 to 100 bucks or maybe 150 buck platform. Um, often have a remote controller that goes with it so I can interact in the space in some yeah. manner. Um, higher quality construction and better optics on those that's in the mobile space but then you also have the desktop space so you have things like and you know just the big ones the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive mm-hmm. which require full desktop computers yeah. but they're able to get much higher frame rates much uh, Infinitely better quality, um, better eye, eyewear or the, the lenses themselves. Mm-hmm. So it has a number of components in it. And when you look at that entire sort of ecosystem of all those different devices, you can find individual uses for a lot of those. Right. You know, if I'm talking about on the consumer lot model,
0: I want something that someone could just put on and walk around mm-hmm. with. And so I mean, we could. I, I, yeah, I got other that question. Right. We could <laughs> we could talk about this forever, but I want to I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the series games. So when you said series games, I just. I really didn't know what to think. I was, you know, just. Uh, so, why don't you explain to us what, what serious games are and the and the you know the uh, practical uses for those? So, when we were talking about VR, that's actually a good way of thinking about serious games. Mm-hmm. And quite
1: often, serious games are uh, someone has made use of entertainment platforms mm-hmm. to create experiences for training. Right, so it's a game. But it's for serious content. So when you think of training applications for first responders, oh. it's often thought of as serious gaming. Um, uh, games for health, games for social justice, those types of things are normally in that serious games environment. And military it's, too could be military, military, yeah. in that very easily, right? And military, obviously, is the one that um, uh, Military and then law enforcement are the ones that sort of gravitate towards that first mm-hmm. mostly because they have the research budget and they're always looking for ways of saving lives, yeah. right? And so VR is a great way of doing that. And there's tons of training for everyone from, yeah, from, you know, infantry, military, we know flight simulators mm-hmm. exist to actually law enforcement and, and testing out procedures and then, um, uh, social awareness or just awareness of an environment and they go into, it. situational awareness. Um, so serious games is a, is a huge category and it's sort of being divided up now into, as we said, the military and law enforcement. There's health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, social justice. There
0: are a variety of different components for it. Yeah. So. Um, you know, a lot of the students in the, in the iMed program, they do these, these you know, amazing projects. Um, can you talk about any of them that have done any kind of VR projects or anything with serious games? Um, we had an individual student
1: who had done some freelance work in the past for actually a state agency. Um, her background is in training, so she understands how to produce them. Well, the state agency asked them, asked us, the university and the center, to take some <coughs> of their PowerPoint training and just turn it into videos which is an actually horrible way to do training, <laughs> yeah. right? They were just taking PowerPoint, turning it into a video file,
0: and then having narration on top of it. So now someone it's, was reading the PowerPoint to right. you. It's right. even more dry and even more boring than, than, than you would get with just like the, the slideshow animations. Right, or, or seeing someone animate yeah. it, you know, and seeing someone actually talking and hearing
1: their emotion in it. Mm-hmm. So now it was just this dry recorded in the booth. So uh, when she did this work, and this was last summer, I believe, um, we talked quite a bit about, well, what could this (coughs) training be? Mm -hmm. How could we change this? And so what she decided to do over this past spring semester was take one of their training modules, completely redefine it, or using the same content, Mm -hmm. but create a new experience. And this was a serious game. So she created, um, essentially, a virtual space that's not in VR. right? So she created, and this was for? um, it was for security protocols. Okay. Right? <clears throat> what employees should do when they were at work and how they should treat some of the sensitive information mm-hmm. that they might have. So what she did was she used one of the offices here, videotaped it with a 360 camera, mm-hmm. then took that footage and added some interactions to it and created an entire training module yeah. where an individual logs into the training module. There are a couple of different conversations that they overhear, then they have to investigate each one of them as mm-hmm. a security and compliance officer. Right. Figure out who's in compliance and who is not in compliance. Collect all that data and then assess them at the end of whether or not they caught everything. Yeah. right. So she built a game, but for training purposes for that particular
0: employee. Yeah, and that's you know just just hearing that that's way more engaging than than what it would be to sit there through a you know. 60, 90-minute PowerPoint or have somebody just, you know, dictate to you what, what the protocols are. So, you know, even even you can see that there's, there's practicality in all this. You know, this doesn't solve all problems in all situations. Right. So we
1: do need to think critically about how the technology is used mm-hmm. and how it's accepted by individuals, whether or not the audience has access to the equipment. Yeah. Um Uh, just in general how it's going to be used, Mm -hmm. but that's just part of the process to determining whether or not a technology is a good fit for a particular problem.
0: That's great for, you know, students who, you know, maybe leave high school, they want to go into a trade, or they go to, you know, leave after community college, but then it's also good for, you know, anybody maybe that's uh, you know you leave you get a political science degree and you, you want to go work in government But you don't have the top opportunity to shadow somebody you can kind of see the day in the life of a representative senator Something like that
1: and you could do more than just one right? right so right now when high school students do job shadowing It's normally they only have time to find one person right. uh, They find one day. They've got to travel back and forth. They've got to get permissions to mm-hmm. do all these things here I can put up the device and maybe in 10 minutes Follow along on the interesting points of someone's day. Yeah, and maybe I like it, and I do it again and again and <clears throat> again. Or maybe I say, uh, oh, I really didn't like that one. Let's try nursing."
0: Yeah, you know, and pop that one. In and yeah, it. it gives you, you know, a broader uh, array of, of career choices, or just you know things that you want to experience. You know, whether it's for entertainment, right? You know, travel, career, anything like that. Um, the, I feel like the most powerful
1: thing about this whole technology uh-huh. is the fact of replayability. It's right. the fact that. Uh, you build it the first time and then hundreds if not thousands of people can then be part of that yes. without needing to do live, um, live role playing, mm-hmm.
0: uh, explosions, underwater, a variety of things that you can do. Yeah. So I feel like we could talk about this all day. I but so. <laughs> but um, I, I definitely want to cut, this, uh, cut it uh, short right now. But um, is there any you know, last thing that you want to mention to the listeners here, anything about VR, series gaming, the IMED program, anything at all? Yeah, so the
1: IMED program, like all the
0: programs at the university, is const- are constantly morphing, mm-hmm.
1: right? We have, as students come in, they have particular needs or desires that they would like to see the programs go into. The one thing that's great about the university is that we can Uh, We have free electives that students can use Mm -hmm. to explore in these topics. Many of the programs can actually start new concentrations pretty easily, where students can get a very focused of anywhere from, let's say, 18 to 27 credits Mm -hmm. into a specific area. So we're always looking for students that are interested in VR, interested in serious games, not just in the IMED program, but also other programs. I love having collaborations between classes. And then other people who are looking and thinking about various things they would like to do with these skill sets, um, they should get in touch with someone in the IMED mm-hmm. program, and we can always find ways of working together. Yeah.
0: So um, my name is Manny Sanchez. This has been your weekly download. Charles, this was, this was great. <laughs> yeah. Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks.